0: Hello, coffee lovers. So, why am I here? My love of coffee started with my grandparents hiding coffee candies in their pockets. Finding those little wrapped treasures ingrained that flavor into my memory, along with a sense of love and connection. We are all drawn to the experiences that shape our lives. Coffee has those stories, it invites that connection. It's probably why cafes around the world are packed. We want to feel the energy of people and wrap our hands around a hot cup of connection. Enter the coffee meetup. Coffee, the consummate excuse. You might not even drink it, but it's a tool, a figurative concept, a vehicle to connect. Coffee Culture, the podcast, is your new place for that. There will be short episodes and full interviews, Come for the coffee meetup and stay for the connection. I'm your host, Holly Shannon. Hello, coffee lovers. I'm here today with my friend, Charlie Burney. Hello. And he is the co-founder of Podville Media and Podcast Village. He is a very creative consultant and co-author. Uh, we're going to get in, into a little bit about his eponymous book that he's got coming out, and he's also an Instagram illustrator. So, hello, Charlie.
1: Hello, Holly. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity.
0: This is awesome. We've met a couple of times, and I wanted a chance to to talk with you because you're you have so many different colors about you. So I'm <laughs> really excited. Um, we, Charlie and I, had met recently at a coffee shop because I love the coffee meetup. True. And he had told me how during the pandemic, he really needed to come together with his friends, with colleagues. Um, and so I'm gonna ask him to share what he built with uh, a few friends of his.
1: And I wanted to tell you before I get to that, um, that one of my earliest shows was, one of my earliest interviews was in a Starbucks. And from that, <clears throat> excuse me, idea, I did a show, a series for my best friend called Breakfast at the Tabard, the Tabard Inn over on N Street here in Washington, and for the introduction we went to the Tabard, had breakfast and recorded the noise, the clinking and the clanking of the spoons and the coffee mugs, and that's the background sound for the beginning of his show, I didn't use it all through the show, but we we cultivate this because it's a familiar feeling. Um, what happened to me during the pandemic that you're referring to is my... Two of my oldest friends, who I knew from kindergarten and from fourth grade, um, shortly after the quarantine began, we knew that we needed to to shore up our friendships and not lose sight of the the long lifelong friendships that we had. So, once the silver Diner, the uh, Tasty Diner in Silver Spring reopened for business, we sat outside in cold weather and hot weather, and every two weeks we had breakfast together, coffee, coffee, coffee. Um, and it was something that kept us all together, um, and reestablished the bond of our friendships for sure. But it, we've also now had a dialogue two years or more every two weeks, getting together, and it's something that we can't really live without. I remember my friend saying, "You're doing what?" And I thought, "No, this is something I have to do. I think you value yourself, obviously in terms of your bank account, but more importantly in terms of your friendships." So that was something that became extremely valuable and we continue on to this day.
0: I love that. I I feel as though the coffee meetup is everybody's like mental health salve, you know. We Absolutely. we we get together with people for the coffee meetup. Sometimes it's for business, you know, it's a networking mm-hmm. thing. And most of the time, it's the cue to your friends that you need to talk. I mean, I I know I will reach out to a friend. And and sometimes I won't ask directly for help. I won't articulate that Mm -hmm. I'm feeling down or I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'll Mm -hmm. just say, hey, can you meet for coffee? And it's a vehicle. It's kind of our international language of "I, I need a friend.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah, oh, I just made a friend in this building in the elevator two weeks ago, and he emailed me this morning and said, "Can we have coffee?" And I said, "Of course." You know, looking I, forward to it.
0: I love that. I I'm so glad I have this coffee meetup show because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's used so many ways. And I yeah. think a lot of people um, don't realize like how much they use it. It's not about the coffee; it's about no. the meetup.
1: It could be about tea, but yes, it it's could
0: about the be about tea. It could be. But it's for me, it's about coffee. But yeah, it could be about, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, I would like to since we're kind of talking about going into like the diner coffee shops now, you know, people will show up to work there. We see million laptops open. Right. you and I also had a little conversation about introverts and extroverts. Yes, um, we did. You being the extrovert yes. and your wife being the introvert. Absolutely. And, yeah. and, and how being in a coffee shop, either for a coffee meetup or a business meeting, affects you versus her. Um, yeah. So maybe you can share with me a little about that.
1: Well, I I think coffee shops were the first co-working environment, of course. And my whole pod, podcast village started in a co-working environment in Gaithersburg where I came up with the idea. I was trying to find a space to make phone calls on a previous job and came up with the idea of just interviewing everyone who was different there. It's too bad you can't go around to all the people with laptops in the coffee shop at Starbucks or whatever and ask them what they're doing because that might be pretty darn interesting as well, the people who are camped out there. Um, My editor, I usually meet her in a coffee store in Spring Valley excuse me again and talk about the things that we're working on together it's always the it's a comfortable space it's a happy space to be able to sit and have a cup of coffee or a a biscuit or something with your friends and i think that will continue Um, i know in the co-working environments they always compliment themselves or try to with fancy coffee machine we bought one here for podville media because it establishes a sort of a commonality when someone comes in and says, ah, it's not just some old stale coffee, but it's a nice machine. You can have hot milk and it creates an environment where we're comfortable and also feel received
0: properly. So so wait a minute, you play barista in your part time?
1: We we have espresso here if you'd like one.
0: Yeah. After this, I will definitely take it up on that. Um, You know, it's interesting in the coffee shop when I see a lot of people with their computers open working, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would hazard to guess that better than 95% of those people are extroverts because they get a certain amount of energy from being in the room with other oh, people. Sure right. yeah. And I think um, introverts would not plant themselves in a coffee shop intentionally around, no. you know, 10 to 60 people, depending on how big it is. Um, to do their work, because what I know about introverts is that doesn't feed their energy; it actually depletes them.
1: Well, think about the person who was in the coffee shop when we met last, and she said to us before we even started chatting, "I'm about to get on a phone call." That's like a double extrovert. Not only is she doing there, but she's interjecting herself into our conversation without, you know, heretofore or anything. Just said, "Hey, by the way, I'm about to get on a call in five minutes," and she was quite audible mm-hmm. when she was on her phone call. She was. So I agree clearly an extrovert. My wife, who's an introvert, wouldn't spend more than a a minute in there if she didn't have to, period.
0: She uses the app to call for the coffee, uh, to go through -through drive-through and leave, right?
1: She would go and she would leave. (laughs) And she works in the media center, which we used to call library at BCC. So uh, I I don't even know if she would go and hang out in a library just to sit and read. She would rather not be with the hustle and bustle of people.
0: That's so amazing to me. But it's it speaks volumes, you know. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm more of an extrovert, so I definitely enjoy the energy of others. It fills my tank. I I feel like I, I get home and I'm energized and I'm inspired, um, but I can see that if that's not your your jam, how it would wipe you out.
1: Well, she can talk about the books she'd like to bring, The Desert Island, and she knows I couldn't exist because I go crazy without people.
0: Mm, so it's either a coffee shop or Desert Island.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> something I hadn't thought of. Absolutely.
0: I, I want to tap in a little bit with you. Um, I learned when I met with Charlie that he is writing a book called The Tao of Podcasting. That's right. And he got into that from studying the Tao philosophy for a period of time before he even embarked on writing a book about it. Mm-hmm. So I, and and it's available for pre-order, so don't worry, all that stuff will be in the show notes, but um, I would love to understand um, how you got into studying philosophy, the Tao philosophy sp- specifically, mm-hmm. that's my question number two, and question number three, um, how has it affected how you think about connection?
1: Well, it, it has affected me a great deal. My brother started Studying transcendental meditation when we were in high school, uh, and if anybody remembers TM, but it was a pretty big movement at the time, and somehow exposed me to Chinese Taoism when at that time, and I thought it was pretty appealing. It made a lot of sense. I grew up in an Episcopalian household, and we had to go to church, etc. And I went to an Episcopalian high school, and then during my liberal arts degree in Virginia, I remember calling my father one day and said, I'm not doing business because it's not any fun and I'm not enjoying any of these classes. I yeah, ended up majoring in religion and philosophy and using my passion for Taoism as my main study. Certainly my independent study, I wrote a paper called The Tao of Sailing. Sailing is a very easy analogy to draw for Taoism because it's often called the water course way. It's, it's, practicing naturalism, living in harmony with nature and living in harmony with each other and not in conflict. A motorboat crashing against the waves, revving its engine to the max, would be not in harmony with the environment. And as you know, the Grand Canyon was carved by water, but over thousands and thousands of years, so it's about living in harmony, about um, uh, not forcing actions, living in harmony with nature, and so I've studied it as an amateur ever since I graduated from college and developed a large bookshelf of books about Taoism and read for years about it as an amateur studier of, of Taoism. Then I became a podcaster approximately 10 years ago. And as I started podcasting, I in the middle of my very first interviews, in fact, the one with the coffee shop in the background, I remember I would set my two clients up the host and the guest and they were talking and there I was monitoring things but not being an active part of that I wasn't a host or a voice on that so I started drawing just innocently enough and I've been drawing for 10 years what I call what cannot be seen of course in the first Holly everything was audio and now everything is generally a mix of audio and video in some aspect so I've added to this to my study of Taoism and podcasting, the drawings that I've used over the years. So there's these verses, a translation, or rather an interpretation of the Tao Te Ching, which is sort of the major work of Taoism and Chinese philosophy, and compared it instead of Chinese calligraphy with my drawings. So it kind of shows the journey of podcasting alongside these interpretations of the Taoist verses into what I call the language of podcasting.
0: Hey, coffee lovers, I have two quick announcements. I am opening a YouTube channel at Holly Shannon, and I'm going to have all of coffee culture on there. So you can capture the little shorts for five minutes here and there, or you can capture the full length interviews. Also, my book Zero to Podcast is on Amazon and it's on my website, and it is the how to guide to start your podcast really fast and get your voice and ideas on iTunes and Spotify like I did makes a great holiday gift for you, perhaps a graduation present, or maybe it's your New Year's resolution. Both links are in the show notes. And now back to our show, Coffee Culture. I, You know, there's so much nuance and power in voice. And um, I find the visual, the video, um, somewhat distracting for mm-hmm. me. Um, so I can see how in its purest form, podcasting was originally just audio. I can see the through line of Taoism with podcasting. Mm -hmm. So have you, do you feel from a philosophical standpoint that you've hit actually a little bit of a wall introducing the video into there or have you, does it feel like just another iteration?
1: I would say a little bit of both. I I certainly think the video makes it, forgive me everyone, but sometimes unnecessarily more complicated. Even when I started in my very first studio in Gaithersburg, I would always like to take what I called a studio selfie. Because once you and I are telling a story, and it's being heard only in audio, certainly at that time, but I wanted to show a behind the microphone shot, a studio selfie of us doing activity. And that would probably be the picture on the cover of that episode. Mm. So to look at two people, my father always said to me a beautiful something, marina, golf course, restaurant is great, but a beautiful restaurant, etc., with people is more inspiring. So happy people having a good time is more interesting than just a landscape shot if you're trying to promote your business. And to pr- a picture of a static microphone, a photograph, done the lighting beautifully is interesting but two people talking and you can see the microphones and you can see the wires to me that expressed a great deal of story just as cave paintings i saw an actual cave painting once when i was 17 and that was part of storytelling i saw when i was 20, I went to an island off the coast of Georgia, and they actually rented a storyteller. He looked like Burl Ives with a walking stick, and he just came and gave forth with stories. So what we're doing is sharing ideas and thoughts and business notes and stories. So I think that the video can be distracting. I will be honest with you, I generally listen, Mm -hmm. even if it's a video and audio podcast. It's generally something that I'll be doing, sketching perhaps, and I'll try to listen. That's how I kind of take notes or think to that. And I call myself here at Podville Media, the chief listening officer, because I try to listen to everything that we do. And I listen to your podcast and Minter Dial's podcast and and, uh, Rob Dial's podcast, two guys with the same last name, and try to take in as much as i can if i had to look at all of them i think it would be distracting for me i can't speak for other people we do several pop culture shows here at podville media and those are much more about seeing because they'll wear they talk a lot about sneakers for example so if you weren't able to see these amazing sneakers that they bring in then you would miss part of the part of the experience now they Capture those clips in the Instagram reels and in the TikTok reels that they create, or we create, depending on the client. So it's it's a it's a difficult line to tread. For me personally, I like to listen to it because it allows me to think with my mind about what's going on and to imagine a picture. But it's not the same for everyone. Um, does that answer your question?
0: It does. It does. I'm um, I'm. I there's a purist. Part of me, I, I really love to listen. Yeah. I love walking and or just being in my home, working on projects and listening. Um, but that's also because I don't stand still. So to like <laughs> pop open the computer and watch and sit, yeah, and yeah. sit for yeah. say an hour. Watching somebody's video, I just I do not have that in me, yeah. and uh, personally, my work requires me to sit in front of a computer. Of um, building out a podcast, as you know, is uh, a, a huge task in and of itself. So whenever I can get away from the screen, I'm pretty happy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: When um, when we met, we we talked uh, about. Um, s'mores of all things because we started talking about desserts with coffee mm-hmm. and somehow we veered towards i don't even know how we ended up in I'm the s'more to remember how we got i s'mores. can't even remember i'm not sure but I I think that I need to share it because um, I think of all of the campfires I sat around with where we made campfire coffee, which is like you know using a jet boil and you mm-hmm. you you make your your instant coffee there. It's it's not anything like super delicious, but like when you're camping, it's it, you really love it. Um, oh. It tastes
1: better on
0: the trail. Yeah, it it tastes better. Exactly. Um, But one of the things we talked about was s'mores. And again, no clue how we got there. So I gave Charlie my little um, way of elevating the s'more.
1: Hashtag elevating the s'more.
0: Yes. Hashtag elevating s'more. I love that. So I don't use, sorry, Hershey's. I don't use Hershey's chocolate because it doesn't really taste like chocolate to me. It's just awful. Um, and I use Ghirardelli 70% dark Mm. chocolate for making my s'mores and it sends, it is like next level. But then Then Charlie one-upped me, uh, with, with his fix. So do you want to share with me what you do? We do not
1: use regular store-bought marshmallows. So my daughter Isabel is in Burlington, Vermont, and she goes to the farmer's market and i played music, amateur music, in a lot of farmers markets around the Washington DC area, but in her farmers market, there is a vendor who sells handmade marshmallows, and those, they melt very quickly, but they are another level above in the s'mores category, so we have to combine these two things, and I know she's coming home next Monday, and we'll be making s'mores with these amazing, they're like little cubes, like the size of of a large dice, and they melt very quickly, but we hoard them and save them for when we're together because she likes to have s'mores, and these marshmallows make it. You you really don't want to go back to to the regular Stay Puft or whatever it is. With marshmallows <laughs> from, from Ghostbusters. Yeah. I think we talked about campfires because I mentioned to you that I'm. Writing a book about my father's folk songs. My father died about a year and a half ago, and wrote really great folk songs, which I used to sing at camp, at campfire, in a kid. And I think that's how we got to s'mores
0: mm. somehow. Yes, I think, that's it. I think yeah. you're right. You're kind of like writing two books at once, which is really <laughs> fascinating. Because <Yeah. laughs> like, I truly can't even read two books at once. Um, <laughs> but I'm, you know, I'm curious. Actually, I do want to dive back in just a tiny bit to your, your Tao of podcasting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I don't want to, like, reveal too much because it's on pre-order, everybody. And um, I do want to have, like, a deep dive into that book when when it's out. Um, but, you know, throughout your, your time studying mm-hmm. philosophy and podcasting is generally uh, – a two-person endeavor because you're connecting with somebody and you're interviewing. Mm-hmm. There are moderated podcasts where it's one person, but for the most part, True. it is a creative process. You are connecting with somebody. How? Why did you decide to take your study of that practice m- and move it into the conversation of podcasting? And, and is there a, a connection? Is it about connection?
1: Well, I do think There's a number of answers for that question. It came out, the original answer is it came out of a drawing during quarantine and I just drew a microphone with a yin-yang symbol on the cover instead of the face of the microphone. I said, aha, the Tao of podcasting. But the truth of it is, as we've gotten busier here, we've done hundreds of shows and continue to do about 20 shows a week that we do for other people and produce for other clients. But it becomes very busy, Holly. We're doing Lots of production, lots of post-production, pre-production, lots of phone calls, tracking down clients, sending out Comrax lines. It's a very complicated activity, but in the beginning of it, and I come in most every day of the week, and the times that are the most contemplative are on the weekend, when the studio is empty, and all the microphones are there. And Would I love for us to be booked on the weekends? Of course I would. but. As a real estate guy, you you want to maximize your real estate. But as a podcaster, I think it's really wonderful to think about the silence before the sound. So the intention of the book, as a, as a book of philosophy, is not to sit down and read it as you would read a novel page to page and find out who wins at the end. But these are, as I've said in the foreword, these are sort of meditations on a page, which we can take back to why did we get involved in this show or this business in the first place and that was to communicate stories, to communicate better, period. And every cave painting, every podcast, every book starts with something that didn't exist before, starts with a a silence, starts with a single idea. So to me, it made sense. There are many books about the art of podcasting. You've got one, Zero to Podcast, that I'm going to get you to sign today. (laughs) And I wrote a book with... um,
0: yeah that was a co author right? Mm-hmm.
1: Hilda, Hilda Gore and I wrote a book called Podcasting Made Simple. But the truth of it is that equipment marches on and software marches on. So a lot of the things that I used to do mix-minus to get the uh, other guest, the long distance guest in in a higher audio quality aren't really relevant anymore, so some of these things aren't practiced. I wanted to write a book that talked about podcasting in a way that would last. And I think looking at it, once we're in a very busy environment where we're doing two or three or four or five shows, sometimes we do seven productions here in a day, it gets very busy and we have to remember how it all started and sort of take a breath, relax, take a moment to meditate and think about why we're here. And that was my force for going forward with this.
0: You know, we often talk about this, um, and I think maybe Simon Sinek might have been the person behind the Start With Why. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm I'm not assuming he's the only one. He, I'm sure he didn't reinvent the wheel or anything. <laughs> that was his own thing. But one of the key questions... Uh, we are all asked in our lives, um, not even just as podcasters, is, you know, what is your purpose? What Mm -hmm. is your why? Mm -hmm. Um, What gets you up every day? What Mm -hmm. is your passion? Um, And those are all really huge questions and not ones that everybody asks every time they pick up a microphone. Certainly not. Yeah, right. But to be able to uh, recognize and honor that pause, that quiet, and uh, to acknowledge why that person's there, right. um, what they plan to speak about. You know, it's right. not just, um, you know, it's not just a a, a Google document on the teleprompter right. that they're reading. It's something that is part of their heart. It's part of how they think and operate. Right. So I think it's so interesting that you found that you shine a light actually on something like that because we don't stop and take pause
1: enough. No, not enough. It's a busy world. So the idea, part of my idea is to, if a listener reads the book, is to sort of remember why they're listening. And I call it engaged listening. Um, part of it is for the host to remember to follow the story and not just the notes that they might have in front of them, but allow the story to evolve. Just as we say in Taoism, I'm going to follow, but I'm not going to force. So perhaps mm-hmm. something comes out of the content. And if you're listening as a host to your guest, to the other person behind the microphone, the interview may or may not go the exact way that you thought it would. And that's a very good thing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. in my opinion.
0: I agree. But I think as in life, when you meet up at the Tasty Diner with your friends (laughs) there, you know, that's not a podcast, but it's the same thing. You have to engage in listening. You have to be there for your friends or your family or whoever you're connecting with. So it sounds like those practices are always in play. So we can go from the Tao of podcasting into just the Tao of life with your book, I feel.
1: That's correct. Yes, you're absolutely right on the money there. Yeah.
0: And on that note, <laughs> Charlie, I don't want to ruin it. That was no, was perfect, perfect. Yeah, I'm going to end on that note, Charlie. I'm so thank glad you so much, that you Holly. took it's some my time. My pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much. Coffee culture is better for having taken a look at the Tao podcasting and Charlie Bernie, and uh, we'll put everything in the show notes, everybody. Thank you so much. Holly. Thanks for coming. Would you like to join the party, coffee lovers? I have two ways for you. Please go over to YouTube now and subscribe to at Holly Shannon, and there'll be all the videos of this podcast there as well. What's the second way you can do that? You can leave a review with your ideas in Apple Podcasts. Either way, I would love it if you share a hot cup of connection and coffee culture with a friend. And if you'd like to support this indie podcaster, you can buy me a coffee. The link is in the show notes. Thank you, coffee lovers. This season is produced by Pale Blue Studios.